The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, we're back. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where, as you know, we tell untold stories from world-changing marketers. Uh, I'm super excited to have a great guest on today. I, we already got along before the show, so this is going to be a fire episode. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey, and today we're going to discuss why toxic bro marketing is over. Join us is Gloria Chow, who's the PR coach at Gloria Chow PR, which is an award-winning PR coach to 10K entrepreneurs worldwide, especially BIPOC and women of color, who want to go from unknown to seen without paying for ads or agencies. Her proprietary CPR pitching framework has helped bootstrapping founders from early, nearly every industry gain combined over 1 billion organic views without any PR experience. I love it. Let's get Gloria on and let's get this going. And here's what we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss why the reign of toxic bro marketing is over. All right, here's my conversation with Gloria Chow, the PR coach at Gloria Chow PR. All right, let's get into it. Why is the bro marketing culture over? This was fun. We started talking about this earlier, especially when you kind of the, the pressury kind of sales countdown stuff, like you kind of got into it earlier, but talk us through that a little bit. Now, Obviously, there's still bro marketers out there making millions of dollars, preying on people's nervous systems and forcing the kind of the FOMO. I'm just saying for what I do and what I'm seeing in my audience, again, my audience is mostly women of color, people who traditionally have not had access to being a part of the conversation. It just doesn't work anymore. People are over courses. I think the golden era of the digital course rush and online programs, that's dying down, right? Three years later after COVID, people have seen all the webinars, they've seen all the timers, all the value stacking. And uh, the thing about value stacking is not only does it kind of treat people with disrespect, it's kind of like, I know this stuff is not $50,000 at $9.99, right? Like give me some more respect than that. It also makes the assumption that your audience only wants to buy something that's cheap. And that's not necessarily true either. So what I've done, I've kind of gone rid of the value stack. I also reveal the price of my program, the PR program that I, I teach called PR Starter Pack in the very beginning of the webinar. So I actually say, Hey, I know it's not your first time at the rodeo. You've seen this many times, you know, a pitch is coming. So at the end, yes, I will be making a pitch and this is the price and this is what it is. And no matter if you join or not, I will still come on here and teach you what you sign up for today. People are tired of the bullshit is what I'm hearing. And it just reinforced from you is bullshit does not sell anymore. And no one's tricked by some of these very old school tactics that to your point, I'm surprised they're around. I didn't think about the online courses as much. Can you give me maybe some more examples of things that you're seeing out in the marketplace that you're still surprised by? And then what human beings are actually drawn to? Of course, we 
I think, no, it's being authentic. It's being real. It's not being full of shit. And it's kind of maybe even calling out awkward situations. I know I've had success in like a lot of pitches and things like that where people are like, hey, just thanks for being, you know, super <laughs> overly honest. Like it's refreshing. What else are you seeing? Um, walk, walk us through maybe some examples that you're seeing out in the marketplace and other ways you've been successful with your clients. Well, I think the reason why is changing. Let's address that first. I think COVID, information overload, access to information. Customers are just smart now. You can't just tell them that there's a countdown timer and only a few spots left when it's kind of an on-demand class, right? And so you turn people off right away. Another thing is that people, because there's so many gurus and experts and entrepreneurs out there, pretty much taking the same templates that the same five people have done, your customers are like, well, I probably can't think I can get this another time. I probably won't change my life. So we need to have a more authentic way of, of getting them to cross that bridge and join us. And so instead of triggering a nervous system response of FOMO or scarcity, which we know doesn't result in good clients because your refund rates goes up. They're not there for the transformation. Uh, people really want to see like what you're about, what your mission and values are, right? And if you can live through that, then I think you'll get the hell yes people to lean all the way in. I think one of the biggest things I realized from building my business is there's like different stages of the entrepreneur, right? When you're first starting off, you just want to be like a McDonald's. You want everybody who's walking in the door to order something. You want to be for everybody. But as you get really expert in what you're doing and you deliver results over and over again, you realize that you don't want everybody. You only want the hell yes people because those are the people who are going to be championing your message. They're going to be the ones being getting the transformation and being your best testimonials. So how do you get only the hell yes people? By sometimes saying things that are a little bit polarizing, very authentic, taking a stance. And that's this is my stance here, which is that we all need to do the cleansing of all of the toxic bro marketing that we've been brainwashed with. And it's not our fault, right? It's what we've been taught. So I'm on this journey. I'm no nowhere near perfect, but I try to do the work every single day to see in what ways are my values not aligning with what I'm actually putting out there. Yeah, man. Uh, just, I'm like just thinking and really inspired because I do think values matter a lot from a company standpoint. And I think it's sometimes the most overlooked thing that marketers have. And sometimes going back and doing these exercises of continuing to make sure that the values are aligned, the mission is aligned, seems obvious and par for the course. But I think at times people think when you go through these exercises as a consultant or a marketer or an agency that like we're changing the logo or we're changing <laughs> the website or something like, no, 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 we're, we're just getting alignment. And then I think great creative work can be done because really deeply know who you are our company, we have a no asshole policy, like, and that's clients or people. And that's one that like is our favorite. We actually just, I mean, every two years we revisit our values and we make sure they're, they're memorable. And I think not that we're so great. We do a lot of things screwed up, believe me. But I, I do think there's a, a major opportunity. And your background is coming at it from a PR standpoint, but I think you're thinking of it very holistically, especially as founder-led companies. How do you get your clients to go down that path with you? Or is it like natural for a lot of them as, as you know, entrepreneurs? You know, I, there's got to be something with my energy as well, because I probably have one of the most diverse audiences. Like 75% of my customers are Black women. We have people who are immigrants, people who have disabilities, people who are deaf or blind, who English is not their first language. And I, it's not like I try to do that in my marketing. I just, I've always surrounded myself with very diverse people. So if you look at the people on my podcast, it's not all of the same people, right? It's people from all walks of life. And I think through that journey of me realizing that and then seeing what my audience demographic is, now I'm able to realize like this work truly is sacred and it's more than just PR. It's empowering people who traditionally have not been empowered 
to tell their story and to tell them, yes, you do have something to say. And yes, you can get PR. And no, you don't need to pay somebody else for access and privilege. Because, you know, growing up as an Asian American daughter of immigrants, like I never saw anyone like me in the media. So to me, this is like rewriting what I didn't see. So this, this work is so much more deeper than just getting a couple logos on your website. That's amazing. Okay, I, I have a lot of questions. Like, what have you found in your clients' experience that, like, is there something that comes up as a lot where you have to overcome something in, in terms of getting the confidence of PR? Or, and I'm not even sure, like, the question I wanted, but, you know, maybe, you know, what are some differences from PR work generally and maybe PR work that you see from underserved communities or maybe, you know, women of color certainly aren't represented in the media enough or from a PR standpoint, like where are maybe some cultural learnings or boundaries that would be helpful to share? Well, I think old school traditional PR was built on privilege and access. It's people who could pay the most, you pay for someone's relationship, but people of color, they don't have access and privilege. So I feel like for the longest time, the agency model just wasn't serving like the Etsy shop owner or the mom and pop store. So they just didn't get featured. They just thought, well, PR is something you either pay for. And honestly, that's why PR has a such bad rep because like raise your hand if you've gotten those DMs that's like, oh, you want to be in the 40 under 40? And like that gets no traction, right? So I think from an industry point of view, there has been a lot of misinformation and it's my work to, to dismantle that, obviously not mine alone. And another thing about mindset is, I don't know if it's just about women or women of color, but I have people who watch my PR masterclass and they said, wow, Gloria, I never thought I had anything to say. I always felt like no journalist or media outlet would care about me. And I cannot believe that after watching this, I realized I do have something to say. And this person had an incredible story. Like she has MS and she like immigrated to this country and has such interesting things, but she was told by the industry that she has nothing to say or somehow she needed to be at a certain level of business to be worthy. And that's kind of the work that we're all trying to do. That's amazing. Okay, I'm understanding your story a lot more. And it sounds like you're... And, and what I'm hearing is you're, you're really empowering entrepreneurs to believe in PR and to help conduct PR for themselves and, and giving them the encouragement through your coaching to do that where you don't need to pay a PR firm or a PR freelancer. I always counsel businesses, most businesses that like PR is really important and you need to do it. I have PR in my own company and I still pay, you know, I've paid other agencies to do PR. I've even paid it. I have a freelancer who I love working with. Shout out to Aria in LA, who's just freaking awesome. So what you're doing for entrepreneurs to give them the same access that maybe didn't feel like they had that before is freaking awesome. Like kudos to you. That's freaking badass. And I know the power of PR and reputation and what it can do and how it can serve all your other marketing channels. So what a cool service what you're doing. Now I understand even some of the things and, and some of the knocks and other coaching that's out there. And like, you know, everyone's a coach now and everyone has a book and everyone has master classes and you know, blah, 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 blah. And there's there's big money to be made, whether you're Gary Vee or Ferris or whoever. Now Deirdre's coming out with something. And yeah, it, it, now that I'm like thinking about it too, I can see where this kind of bro culture of this coaching, you know, is coming from. I totally see it now. It's, it's super interesting. I haven't heard this really before and I, I haven't even self-examined the way I probably need to. So it's cool to hear. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm like, my brain's kind of thinking. Well, you're doing the work. So that's amazing. Like sometimes we have to step out of what we see in order to see in other people's shoes. So I'm glad that you acknowledge that. And I'm glad that I've made you see something different. For sure. So what else are you seeing in the marketplace as entrepreneurs or as, as opportunity for entrepreneurs, and especially the clients that you serve? 
Well, I think a lot of people are riding on this like DEI train, like, oh, I care about diversity. And I think it's more of a thing that happened recently where they feel like they have to, to save their brand, but they're not really living it. And listen, I understand like as a white male where you walk into every room and you always belong, like it's hard to see things from other people's point of view, right? So you really have to do the work and like go out of what is normal for you. But I think if a lot of people and entrepreneurs are like, oh, we care about diversity, but then I'm looking on their Instagram and every single person is like a fit, skinny, able-bodied person of the same race. mm, I question that. Or if I'm looking at a panel and you're like all with your girl gang besties and not a single person has like a really interesting and diverse story from different lived experiences, that makes me question that. So I think a lot of times it's a lot of people in the online world say, I care about diversity. It's a value. And it's like, well, it's one thing to like live that value, but like, are you practicing it? So, you know, in relationships, right? You can love someone, but are you actively practicing that love? Because you can love someone and still cheat on them. You can love someone and still hurt them. So it's it's an act. It's an action word. It's not just like, oh, I love someone. That's it. Same thing with, with diversity. It's like not like, oh, I care about diversity and that's it. Man, yes, I totally agree. And I think we've seen a lot of marketers get burned by doing stupid shit and saying they care about something that wasn't authentic. We see it all the time and, and we've continued to see it. Or I'm on the, let's just call it what it is. I'm on the DEI trend and I guess the lights went out my building. All right, all good. But I do think, and you bring up a good point. I mean, I'm a white male. I, I surf, I play golf and I have, I feel like I have a very diverse group of friends. I know at our company, we get compliments a lot and it's like diversity has been very important to us for a number of reasons, but I still have a lot to learn. I mean, I know that like, what do you think I, let's take me, let's put me on the spot. Like, what do you think I can still be learning and how can I continue to push work with my clients, our employees around? And I, I love what you said. Cause I, it's where one point that I totally agree at, like, I think for longtime ad agencies, like in LA or New York, like they had an echo chamber of people. And I would look around at the people and be like, huh, interesting. Is your idea really being expressed by a lot of different backgrounds, whether it's your ethnicity or it's how you grew up or it's where you're from? That's one reason, like we talked earlier, I love Phoenix. Like I feel like Phoenix is definitely a melting pot of a lot of different places. And, but what do people, you know, what can people learn? What can I learn? Well, I think, I think it's good that you have that intention. So I think it's incredible. You know, I recently came back from an event and a very famous online entrepreneur hosted this event. I looked at the room and it wasn't very diverse, but he had such a platform, right? And then I sat with some other entrepreneurs and, you know, I was telling them about my audience and how, you know, there's people who are disabled and people who wear headscarves and people, people who are military wives. And they're like, you know, I really wish that I had more diverse audience. I really do care about it, but they just don't buy my course. And I really do care about diversity. And then they kind of just looked at me with, with a puzzling eye. And I said, well, you know, maybe it's maybe it's something within you, right? That like you need to do the work. And it's it's like, do you, like you said, like, do you actually think about different things? Like, for example, right now it's ETH, right? So like maybe it's getting proximate to people who have a different religion and going to your local mosque and sitting with the imam or knowing that during this time, people from different parts of the world are fasting. And so maybe, you know, they can't show up to calls or maybe like, for example, I have someone in my PR program who really taught me something because I started talking on Zoom and she's like, Hey, I'm deaf. Can you please always turn on the captions? And I was like, you're right. And so I started to go into my course, transcribed everything so that she can read along, right? It's just little things like that, that you just, you don't know it until you know it. So it's really important to be always open and to understand that people have different ways of learning. It doesn't even have to be a race thing. It could be a neurodivergent thing. Like some people who are on the spectrum, like they don't like to be called out on Zoom. They like to participate in a private chat. So if you're 
you have like a podcast or if you have like a webinar, instead of calling on somebody that might make them nervous or anxious, give people different ways to respond. Maybe it's raising hand on Zoom or it's a private chat function. So it's just understanding that people learn in different ways and, you know, people have different ways of communicating. And I'm no way perfect on that. Like I said, you know, I didn't turn on the captions, but now I know better and I can do better. It sounds like there's like one of the keys to success that I'm hearing is like, there's never like an end point. Like there's always opportunity to be listening and paying attention and learning and constantly trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. And I mean, you're constantly surprised in, in ways maybe you, you didn't think about something a certain way. And the key from at least what I'm hearing is to continue to be open to that and to really pay attention to the details of that. And that can be hard. And maybe everyone's not open to that. I don't know. Or maybe people think they've reached a certain destination. I don't know. I have Maybe. another thing too for marketing is copywriting. So Tarzan Kay, who's a friend of mine, um, she's really been on this journey as well. She hired a lot of DI consultants. Every email that she sends is like goes through multiple people. And she, she and Kelly Deals, they're both like ethical copywriters. And they told me some words and phrases that we use that we don't even think about that are ableist. So things like crippling debt or um, dumb decision, right? And I didn't even think about that because I would I would write email like that all the time. So it's just like learning and absorbing and just understanding that words do have power. And you know, I definitely don't mean to be ableist. So now I try to look at my email copy to my email list. It's like, in what way am I, you know, unintentionally excluding people from the conversation? Because I really care about including people. Okay. Can I be maybe press on this point a little bit? Cause I'm I'm confused. In a copywriting standpoint, you know, people have agencies out there, they probably know. I mean, finding good copywriters is so hard. That's probably the one job, uh, at least the brand marketers I know agencies have the hardest time feeling is really, really good copywriters. I know a lot of them message me. <laughs> All right. I, w- I will. I Seriously, we're hiring for two right now. I've had two. I mean, we're really picky. I've had two that are just amazing. You know, we're probably about 150-ish employees. And that always seems to be a, a job that we have trouble with, especially full-time. We have some great you know, freelancers we work with too. Doesn't it seem like daunting too? At, at the same time as you know, we want to be open and we want to learn, but like, if you're writing something, couldn't you just be offensive in a lot of language that from a lot of different diverse backgrounds without even trying to? Like, I mean, sometimes I get overwhelmed too, like in terms of whether it's pronouns or whether it's how you're saying a certain thing, like I mean, there's 350 million people in the U.S. alone. Plus, it seems like almost anything could be offensive too. Is there? I think that's a cop out. It's like saying, "Well, I can't be sustainable for everything. I'm not going to wear like vegan leather shoes, so I'm just going to just not do anything." So I think there is a spectrum, and there is like a little things that you can do. Right? I'm in no way perfect. I probably send out emails that still don't apply to everyone. The other day, I offended a pastor because I used that word. So there you go. Right? But my values are still in alignment. So I think it, it just depends on what your values are. And if your values are diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really understanding what that means, then it shouldn't be work. But if it's not a core part of your values and it's not saying no one's holding a gun to your head saying it has to be, then it's fine, right? But for me and what the work that I do, it's really important. So I do the work to always live through that. If your values truly are aligned and diversity, equity, inclusion is part of that and you're constantly trying, then you're okay. Okay. It doesn't take that much. It's like have people of color on your podcast, like highlight people in your newsletters who are doing campaigns for diverse groups or giving back to a cause. You know, like speak on a panel of people who don't all look like you or maybe pose a question to the panel panel organizer and be like, 
you know, it's, maybe it's time to get someone else like and give them a platform. Okay. Honestly, like this, it's a great conversation to have. And I've been called out, like truthfully, you know, my president, I did my first podcast and I've, I've mentioned on this podcast, it was a failure. Like I totally screwed it up. I was overproduced. No one listened to it. It wasn't copyrighted, right? It was, I didn't understand the podcast game. Thankfully, Ben Shapiro, my producer came along. He's got a lot of successful podcasts. We rebirthed a new podcast that had a more marketing focused. And, you know, then we actually had audience to listen. And my first podcast, you know, my presence, like, you've had like 10 dudes on your podcast. Like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, shit, you're right. Good point. And so I think too, it's about having people in your circle and being humble to where people know they can call you out on your bullshit. And when you're not in alignment or you're doing things that, you know, need to be called out. And I've really tried it hard in my career and I still have more work to do to have people around me that will like tell me the real shit. And so, you know, how do we foster a culture of that too, to where you can say something to people to where like, hey, you didn't pay attention to this and this was offensive. Like, I think that's a big part of it. And I kind of heard that from you a little bit too. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, there's progress is always going to be imperfect. You're always going to have people who don't agree. I have people who don't agree with me all the time. And that's okay because I have my values and it's, you know, I'm not trying to please everybody. So I'm also imperfect, right? I've also done the things where I have used those words that have polarized people. So I just know that if I can get feedback and if I'm, I'm open to it, progress can be made. But if I'm just like, oh, it's too overwhelming. Like there's nothing I can do. I can't offend it. I'm going to offend everybody. Then we just stay in our silos and we're never going to build bridges. Man, I love this conversation. And I, the key takeaway, and we got to end because I'm way over, but we're going we're gonna to come right back. I love that you said like, that's a cop-out. And where are we allowing these cop-outs to happen? And we're like, oh, it's so it's too hard. Or like, I could be offending anybody at all times. Like, uh, and then why even try? Like, that's bullshit. And that's the type of behavior that we need to call out and to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to contribute to. Okay, here's the deal. We're going to wrap up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Huge thanks to Gloria uh, Chow. This has been a, a great conversation. Again, I love these podcasts because I'm learning every day. And uh, we're here to get better. So thanks, Gloria, for coming on from Chow PR, LLC. Thanks for what you do, helping entrepreneurs, women of color. And this is great. Here's the deal. We're going to publish a, episode number two with Gloria tomorrow. So don't go anywhere. And we're going to talk about how SMBs land on Forbes, uh, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Entrepreneur, etc. I mean, you've heard what she's done for thousands of entrepreneurs and getting them ready to get major PR outlets without maybe the traditional mindset of how we thought or think of people getting PR and even underserved communities who aren't getting PR. Like what she's doing is pretty amazing. We want to have it right back. Um, if you can't wait uh, till the next episode and you want to learn more about Gloria, uh, you'll find a link to her LinkedIn profile on our show notes. You can also contact her on Instagram, uh, Gloria Chow. I'm going to follow her on Instagram. Find me there too. But if you didn't have to take notes, again, uh, head over to rebrandpod.com and we'll have the notes from Gloria and all of our guests. Uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, please apply to be a guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast. And you've heard Gloria call me out. Like We're looking for people that are making a difference. I want to make a specific call out now for anybody that feels underserved. Like Let's get you on the podcast. Let's continue to make sure that we're having a diverse group of guests on our show. So apply. We're getting a ton of submissions and I review them with Ben 
in uh, my producer probably about every week or every two weeks. So if you, you submit, you don't hear right, right away. Um, we, we try to pile them up and, and look at them all together. And we're like, you know, how can our listeners learn and benefit from this? So please apply. I mean, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. We've got about 5,000 plus marketers that subscribe, which is freaking insane. It's so humbling. Like I never thought that like we could be having a real community of marketers uh, together in this new podcast world. It's kind of fun. So thank you so much for your support and listening. And uh, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. Thank you.